I spoke last week about peace, but today I want to speak about hope because this is what drives us on, folks, the hope that we have. On May the 23rd, 1939, the USS Squalus, which was a, a submarine, went for a test drive in the Atlantic with a crew of 59. An explosion happened and it sank to the bottom of the ocean where the water was 243 feet deep and just a few degrees above freezing. Now, I don't know what that is in metres, but most of you understand me. 243 feet deep, very deep. Uh, in the forward compartment sealed behind watertight doors, 33 men remained alive. So they sent down divers. And listening intently as the divers approached the sub, they could hear this tapping. And they recognised the tapping was Morse code. And the Morse, in, in Morse code, the, the trapped sailors were tapping out four words. Is there any hope? In that situation, that is uh, the first time they ever rescued men from such a death. 33 men who were in that four compartment were rescued that day. We live in a world where, let's face it, hope is in short supply. Are we agreed? And uh, this generation, perhaps more than any other, has had the hope sucked out of it. Uh, previous generations, if you think back, previous generations with arguably greater tragedies had, the, had hope that drove them on. If you think about World War I followed by the Spanish flu, the millions of people who died, and yet that was followed by the roaring 20s when everyone had hope and they were full of life and zest. You think about World War II gave way to the baby boomer generation. The Cold War became democracy in Eastern Europe. Even the 1970s where bad sci-fi movies were followed by Star Wars called A New Hope. Even in the 1970s we had hope. But... You know, however bad the world seemed, there was something within mankind that says, you know, things have got to get better. I've got some hope. We, this generation, the generation you and I are a part of, have faced no world wars, no communist state. But little by little, the bad news bears have bathed all over humanity's hope, haven't they? You know, climate change, COVID, transgender, homosexuality change, homelessness now, the Israel war. We are, we are fed a steady diet of destiny-killing, hope-sapping Krispy Kremes. You know Krispy Kremes? Like, like we, we like to listen to this and we like to have opinions on stuff. And on, and on the top, it's all kind of sweet. But underneath, there is nothing of nutritional value. They feed us this stuff and we go back for more and more. But underneath, it is killing our hope. It's dashing our hopes. Jeremiah was a prophet who prophesied, uh, prophesied to the nation of Israel at a time of their great despair. If you look at Jeremiah 29, is our text for this morning. Jeremiah 29, 11, you'll know it well. But Jeremiah, had a, he was prophesying to a nation that had seen their country destroyed, their city and their temple ransacked, and they had been taken as prisoners into exile in a foreign land. That's pretty grim. And he said to them, God spoke the the words through the prophet Jeremiah that still hold true today, Jeremiah 29, 11. God says this, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. If he could say that to people in such utter despair, surely he can say to our generation now. He can say, hey, whatever you're on, you know, whatever's left over of COVID and all that sort of stuff, there is hope. And that's our message, there is hope. So I hope you can understand hope this morning. I really do. Hope for most people is a dream. When we say hope, it's something that we long for. 
but often we will never see. We say, I hope tomorrow will be sunny. I hope I win lotto this week. Unlikely. You've got to be in it to win it, and I'm not. You know, I hope Australia wins the World Cup. Yeah. I hope, I hope he or she loves me. I hope I will survive Christmas. Now, we, 1 Corinthians 13, it's, it's the great threesome. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And so when we look at the big three, faith, hope, and love, we talk about faith all the time. We, we ponder it, we study it, we admire it in others. And, and we talk about love because love is the greatest of the three, but hope is the poor, it's the Cinderella, it's the poor relation of the big three. We don't talk about hope very much, but I think we should, don't you? Well, this, this, uh, this morning, Cinderella gets invited to the ball. We're going to talk about hope. And we're going to study it because in many ways it's what sustains life. And there is a difference between what the world calls hope and what the Bible calls hope. Last week we discovered that God, what the world calls peace is not what the Bible calls peace, but also for hope. What the world calls hope is not hope at all. I hope I get it right. That's not hope. I want to look at what biblical hope is, not what the world calls hope. So I want you to, I hope that you will study and concentrate as we study hope. You got it? Good. I hope so. Yes, indeed. You can always rely on you, Ross. <laughs> it's great to have you back, man. It really is. So I want to look at different aspects of hope. First of all, the source of hope. Where does hope come from? Hope is commonly used in our world to mean a wish. You know, it says, I hope that such and such happens. Now, the reason we say that is because human hope is, is, is predicated, it is based on our strength, the strength of a person's desire, the determination of that person to see something come to pass. So we say, I hope that, 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 that something good will happen in the future, and we do whatever we physically, humanly can to do that. But God's hope is different. Biblical hope is defined as the confident expectation of what God has promised. There's no maybe about it. It's definite. And, and, and its strength is because its strength is not in our ability to do something. The strength of God's hope is in his faithfulness, not us. The strength of his hope is not in what faith I can muster. Not, oh, I think I can get faith, you know. It depends on the object of my faith. It depends on him. Biblical hope is 100% a sure bet because it doesn't depend on me or you. It depends on him. That's why hope is so powerful. You know, we can have an unbelievable, unshakable, absolute confidence because God is at the source of this, not us. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. You see, biblical hope is not dependent on the news. Hallelujah. It's not dependent on the war. It's not dependent on, on, on climate change or gender fluidity or fiscal flu fluidity. You know what fiscal fluidity is? Money in, money out. Sometimes more out than in, right? And so it doesn't depend on any of that. Biblical hope has little to do with me, my abilities, my talents, my skills. It's about the one we have hope in. And our hope is in him who brings, and do you know it brings God joy when you have hope? Did you know that? Psalm 147 verse 11, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. He takes pleasure. When you say, I've got hope in you, Lord, he actually takes pleasure from that. If you want to bless him, the source of our hope 
Acknowledge him. He loves it. He loves it when we have hope in him. The second thing is the sufficiency of hope. Uh, Romans 15 verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. You see, God's hope abounds. It's not limited. It's not something that's going to disappear tomorrow. His hope is unlimited and he does not shortchange you. He doesn't lure you in with promises and then let you down. How many of you put your hope in someone or something only to be let down? Even some churches. And you get let down. Remember, his hope is a sure thing and it's an abounding thing. They did This is a, this is a little bit nasty, but I'm going to say it anyway because I think it illustrates a point. There was, a, there was an experiment done uh, by anybody here a scientist? A few? Yeah. We'll have to repent after this illustration, just saying. So they took these rats and they put them in a big, big vat of water and made them swim until they drowned. And, and they lasted about an hour, just under an hour. They took a second group of rats and they put them in the same vat full of the same water to swim until they drowned. But they took them out every so often. They lasted almost 24 hours. What's the difference? It wasn't that they got a little rest, although they did get a little rest. The difference was that when they were taken out of the water, when they were put back, they had hope that they could be rescued again. And that hope drove them on and drove them on. And so they lasted more than 24 times what the other, the other group did. Rotten scientists. Um, but see, when they took the rat out... For just a, f- a few seconds and then put it back in, it had this hope within its heart and that's what drove it on. Hope is powerful and God's hope is a sure thing because he is a sure thing. But it's also abounding, it's prosperous. God's hope doesn't squeak by, it explodes in goodness. How many of you this morning saying, all my life you have been faithful? How many of you are saying, your goodness is running after me? Right? God, God doesn't shortchange you. He's not saying, oh, I'll, I'll give this guy just enough hope to keep him in, but not enough to have him really excited. That's not God, right? God's hope is abounding. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. Don't you love that song? If you have hope in Jesus Christ, you shouldn't just be existing. You should be abounding in life. God's will is to see you prosper as your soul prospers. uh, 3 John 1 verse 2, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. God is interested in the prosperity of your soul. Yes, it has, has physical healing. Yes, it has provision. But he's interested in the prosperity of your soul. You can gain the whole world and lose your soul. It's a poor bargain. He wants prosperity in your soul the third thing is the supply of hope where does hope come from how do you get it in this world it's in short supply but in in God's world there is an abundant supply of hope and we receive God's hope by receiving his Holy Spirit we receive abundant hope by the Holy Spirit's power at work within us we don't need priests we don't need rituals for God to hear us We have the Spirit, His Spirit living within us. That is our source of hope. We have heaven in our heart. People say, are you looking forward to getting to heaven? I say, I don't have to, I've got it here. A little piece of heaven living in my heart called the Holy Spirit. 
and that is my link to him i don't want to wait till i die to get to heaven i want to live heaven now is anyone with me right so don't wait for pie in the sky when you die by and by right start living now for jesus and have that heaven within your heart god's hope characterizes those who live for him his hope is amply supplied colossians 127 the riches of the glory of this mystery which is christ in you the hope of glory when we have christ in us by his holy spirit we have his hope within us the trouble is we ignore it hope comes from god and his spirit dwelling within it but it also comes by the word of god see the scriptures bring us hope they really do if you're not reading these scriptures every day your hope is going to be brittle easily dashed and destroyed by what happens around you this is not just an old book it's not just something you put on the shelf to accumulate dust it's god's word and it's truth from cover to cover hebrews 12 uh, 4 12 for the word of god is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword it pierces to the dividing of soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart you see god's word is alive his word is alive if we don't put this in our spirit we are missing the mark because this is the source of hope romans 15 what an interesting verse i love this for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope hope is in the scriptures folks if if hope just eludes you if you feel hope being sapped away it's because you're not putting the word of god in your spirit because this is the source of hope the fourth thing about hope is the serenity of hope romans 12 12 uh, rejoice in hope be patient in tribulation be constant in prayer we talked about this last week with peace you know you can have hope for peace within you no matter what is going on around you you can be at peace because your hope is secure isaiah 40 verse 31 who how many people love this verse but those who hope in the lord shall what renew their strength they will mount up on wings like eagles i love eagles that was a hint by the way if you didn't know this verse that was a hint i love eagles. i sit there watching them at times just just whirling overhead and the thing about eagles is they don't flap a lot have you noticed that they're not making a big song and dance about everything and flapping and like madly carrying on like this they set their wings and they allow the the winds and the thermals to get under their wings they harness the power the power that comes against it the tempest that comes against the 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 eagle he sets his wings and harnesses the power of the storm to go above the storm that's hope that's the hope that we have destined for us so we need to be those who have that sort of hope the fifth thing is the sprouting of hope you cannot just wave a magic wand and get hope so many people these days are looking for they're looking for hope and they they look for the spectacular even in christian circles we go to churches and we see lights and smoke and a prophecy or two and a little boost for our hope and we think we're on the fast track track to success i'm telling you it doesn't work because when you go to that wonderful meeting you have an incredible encounter with god we're all in favor of that you still have monday morning you get up monday morning you go oh tell me why i don't like mondays you know i don't like mondays 
you usually don't get hope in one big zap. I'll tell you what usually happens. You know, if you have an encounter with God, you'll get back and you'll face all the same problems and afflictions and your hope vanishes. Business experts say it takes 10 to 20 years to become an overnight success. And it takes time to, to, to grow hope. You have to grow it. And guess what the fertilizer is? Adversity. Adversity, uh, you know, when, when, when things go wrong, you can build real tangible hope into your life. You see, God builds hope and, and develops character. He doesn't do it in a microwave, folks. He does it in a crock pot. You know, don't you love microwaves? Bing, done. I love microwaves. They're fast. I like fast. Microwaves are great. They're going to bring out a microwave TV. You can watch 60 minutes in one minute. <laughs> but God doesn't develop hope in a microwave. He develops it in a crock pot. How many of you know it's on all day, all night? You're sitting there smelling it. This is going to be really good. It takes time, folks. It takes time. It takes time to grow hope. But it's a sure thing. You don't put all your meat in the crock pot and turn it on and walk away and say, boy, I'll come back in about 10 hours and I wonder if there's going to be anything there. You put it in. It's going to be there. And in the same, it's a sure thing. If you put meat in the crock pot and turn it on, you'll come back and it'll be cooked at some point. It's a sure thing. And the same with hope in your life. If you do it God's way, if you let it grow slowly, then it, it's a sure thing. Hope, hope is grown, folks. It's not whipped up. It's grown. And I'm all for having great meetings and, and getting close to the Lord. But that's not going to solve your problems. Time and growing with Him and the Word of God in your life is what's going to give you hope for the future. John 15 verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. We have to abide with the king, we really do. That means spending time with him. There's no fast track. Charles Spurgeon said this, and I love this, hope itself is like a star, not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity, but only to be discovered in the night of adversity. You know, you get out there and you look at a blue sky, you say, well, that's very nice. Where are the stars? They're not there. Yes, they are. You can't see them for the sunshine. But when it gets dark, suddenly you can see the stars. That's what hope is like. Romans 5 verses 3 to 5 says, not only that, we rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope will not disappoint us or put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. You see, hope, that's the progress through there. You know, suffering produces endurance. We don't like to hear this. We don't like to preach this, but it's true. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character yields hope. That's how you get hope. So if you're suffering right now, if you're finding it tough right now, if you face adversity, challenges, persecution or pain, don't get, don't get discouraged. Get excited. You get to develop hope. How cool is that? Get excited. The Bible says to rejoice in your suffering. Now, you don't rejoice because you're suffering. Oh, I'm in pain. Yay, that's wonderful. 
fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm really enjoying this. You don't enjoy it, right? But, but what you can rejoice in is what the suffering will yield in your life. Am I right? It's important. If your hope is in Jesus, knowing Jesus has his hand upon you, then it makes all the difference. We had our memorial for Doug yesterday and uh, the place was packed out and uh, it was an incredible time to celebrate the life of this man. But I tell you, when Doug stepped into eternity, I spent the night uh, before he passed with him. When he stepped into, there was surety in that man's eye. I've never seen such hope in a man's eyes as he faced death. He wasn't scared. He wasn't even concerned. He was just saying, bring it on. It was his coronation day. It was his homecoming. We've got to change how we see death. We think it's bad. But when you know Jesus, it's, beyond, it's way beyond good. And that's what I experienced with this wonderful godly saint. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance character and character hope. Sixth thing, the sight of hope. What are you focusing on? If you listen to Channel 7, 9, 10, SBS or the Gay BC, you will lose sight of hope and be filled with despair. I guarantee you, you will lose sight of hope. If you read the Bible and come to church and fill your, fill your mind and your heart with the things of God, your hope will be renewed like the eagles. But if you listen to that other stuff, it's just going to put bad stuff in your head. It depends on what you focus on, doesn't it? Romans 15 says this, Isaiah said this, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. Then it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of his Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. If we fix our eyes on Jesus, not on our circumstances, but on Jesus, then suddenly the world fades away. Remember that old song, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth grow strangely dim and that's what happens when we fix our eyes on him everything else fades away there's an optical illusion i share when i when i do um uh, talks on eyes and stuff being an optometrist they let me do that sort of thing and there's a dot in the middle there's a sort of a shadow around it and if you look at the dot the shadow disappears because what happens is what you focus on your brain will shut down information from around it to allow you to focus on that. And that's what it's like when you put your hope in Jesus. You focus on him and all the stuff you're going through right now that seems overwhelming can be much less overwhelming because you won't see it because it fades away because your eyes are fixed on him. And our hope is secure. Romans 8.24 For in this hope we were saved. Now hope is... Hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience. When I sat with Doug this week, and uh, we talked uh, at length the night before he went to be with the Lord, he wasn't worried about his bank account. We didn't have a discussion about food or, or fashion or cars or football. I know it's astounding, but we didn't talk about that. He actually loved cricket, but that's probably why. We didn't talk about that stuff. He could see all those things, cars and houses and money and stuff like that. I could see, you can see those things. But that's not what we talked about. When he faced death, his hope was firmly fixed on Christ and that's who we talked about. And we talked about the journey ahead and we talked about, uh, uh, about going to be with the Lord. 
And my final word, um, Paul was there with us and we, we shared some great times with Doug, didn't we? Those, those, those last few hours that we spent with him. My final words to Doug were, I'll see you on the other side. And he said to me, I'll be waiting. That is hope. That is a sure hope. When you can't see it with your human eyes, but you know it's there because God said it. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18, we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You can focus on houses and cars and money and family and all that sort of stuff if you like. You can focus on that, but it's not eternal. It will fade away. Your house one day will be run down and, and some, you know, it might not even exist. Your car's going to break down. How many of you know cars break down? How many of you have experienced that? RACQ, hello, I'm standing by the Sunshine Motorway and my car's broken down, you know. All of these things break down, but I tell you what, your hope in Him never breaks down. It abounds and it gets bigger and deeper. Doug could say with Paul, Romans 8, 18, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. That's what Doug was saying. That's what Paul said. That's what you can say too if you focus on him. Because whatever you're going through right now, however big it seems, I'm telling you, there is way more in eternity. And if you focus on what's around you, it is foolishness. Because what's around you will let you down. Has someone let you down? Has someone you love, someone you invested in, betrayed you, let you down in some way? Because if they have, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ will never let you down. This is the hope that we have within us. Because hope's not a, I hope, it's, it's not a, I'm, I'm wishing for, hope in Christ is an absolute surety. If you can see it, you don't need hope. That's why Christians have hope beyond anything else anyone can experience. In the spirit, we can see God's hope and God's promise for the future. And that's what sustains us while we're on earth. There's an old hymn. Some of you are old. Some of us are old. Put it that way. There's an old hymn. But I love this because it sums it up. I love this old hymn. I'm going to say it. You're going to know it. But listen to the words again. Let them, let them resonate in your spirit. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' love and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Yeah? On Christ the solid rock I stand. Come on. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Christ is the rock. Everything else you see around you is sinking sand. Where are you going to stand? When I was a little boy, I walked out on a sandbank in a place called Lake Catai. And, and, and the sandbank shifted and I, it disappeared from under me and I nearly lost my life. I should have lost my life. My dad actually actually uh, laid down his life for me. He, was, he, was, uh, he, he saw me struggling out there in the water. He realized something was wrong. He hit the ground and, and he swam out to me in his, in his uh, garments and everything. And, and, and I, I remember him being out there and I saw my dad. And I thought, 
Suddenly I have hope. I thought I had no hope. I was going under the water. I couldn't swim. I could just tread water. And he, he used to call it riding your bike. He said, ride your bike, son. Ride your bike. Don't grab me or we'll both die. Just ride your bike. And little by little, he pushed me towards shore. And, and then when I got to shore, everyone crowded around me. And they said, are you all right, little boy? Are you okay? I must have been four or something like that. Are you okay, little boy? And no one saw my dad crawl up onto the, onto the sand and have a heart attack right there on the sand. Such was the exertion that he put himself under. They took him to hospital. And I remember going in to see him later that day. And he tells me my first words to him were, hey, Dad, can we go swimming again tomorrow? And I don't remember that. I don't remember that. But what I do remember is my dad laid, laid his life down for me. But it all came about because I was standing on shifting sand. And you might think what you've got is solid, but I tell you, it's shifting sand. It only takes us a small change and suddenly it's gone from beneath you and you are struggling to swim. You won't have hope if you're not built on the rock because the sand can shift wherever it's like you're standing on the rock. That's why I like rock music. You see, God is hope. Proverbs 23, 17. Let not your heart envy sinners. It's easy to envy sinners. How come he's got what I haven't got? You know, don't let your heart envy sinners, but continue to fear the Lord all the days. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. So stop looking around at others, at what they have, at what they do, at what they say, and fix your eyes on Jesus. Whatever you face today, if you have God, you have hope. If you lose your way with God, you will lose your hope. Even if relationships collapse, God will sustain you. Even when finances dwindle, God will keep you. If sickness plays you, God will sustain you. Even if your dreams die, God will revive you. As long as God is present in your life, in your family, your church, in your community, there is always hope in God. Always. Always hope. Let me finish with this. Hope is an anchor of the soul. Uh, psychiatrist Viktor Frankl is a Jewish psychiatrist in the 1930s and 40s. He survived the horrors of Auschwitz concentration camp and he made this observation. Listen to this. He's a Jewish man. He wasn't a Christian, I don't believe. He said this, those who lost hope in Auschwitz, he said they developed a certain look in their eye. He writes, a fatalism that inevitably ended in death. They experienced an existential vacuum his term for a complete loss of meaning, loss of hope, a sense that nothing really mattered anymore. He said he could look into the eyes of fellow prisoners at Auschwitz and see which ones are going to make it and which ones won't by the look in their eye because some had hope and others had lost hope. And if you lost hope, you lost. See, if you don't have Christ at some point, either now or in the future, you are going to despair and you are going to lose hope in life. Suicides are common right across society, even among the rich, the successful, the famous, because despite having fame, fortune, things, money, youth and health, the human soul struggles to find hope. Even when they're rich and famous, they're without hope. Look at COVID. We don't like to, but look at COVID. I've never seen a situation where whole nations have lost hope. Whole states have lost hope. 
people groups everywhere. Just, just hope was just sucked out of them by COVID. Many are still recovering. Uh, recently, I was uh, snorkeling uh, and, and in the clearest water I'd ever seen. And the sensation was I was underwater, kind of like this. It looked this clear. Uh, well, I could see 30 plus meters underwater. And I could see that the boat we had was tied to an anchor. I could see four more boats beyond it all tied to anchors. That's how far I could see underwater. And it struck me that that's why they don't go onto the rocks. On the top, they're just floating along. No one really knows. But they put an anchor down. That's what holds them from running onto the rocks. You see, the anchor is where it's at. That's what stops the boat from being tossed around. And it holds them in the currents and the storms and the tempests of life. Hebrews 6 verse 18 says this. He who have, uh, sorry, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to, to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place beyond the curtain. We have a hope and hope is an anchor for your soul. Through the ages, many a ship has weathered storms by anchoring itself to solid rock. And today, so many people feel their ship is blown all over the place by all of the winds and all the things that are coming against us and all the bad news bears and all that sort of stuff. We're blown around on stormy seas. If you feel like the storms of doubt and discouragement and despair and defeat have battered your ship, you need hope. You need to anchor to the rock. If you feel the winds of temptation, trial and tears have ripped your sails to part, you need to anchor to the rock. If the seas of sin and sorrow and sickness have pounded your little vessel and left you wounded and discouraged, you need to anchor to the rock. That's what hope is. Perhaps waves of fear, frustration, failure have robbed you of joy and hope and peace. You need to anchor to the rock. Why do you think we're all sitting here celebrating Jesus? Because Jesus is the rock. And if we put our hope in him, we will never be let down. I promise you, if you walk the road with Jesus, you will never be let down because you will always have hope. Today, perhaps you feel overwhelmed and sometimes you wonder if you're going to make it. All the stuff that you have anchored your life to, jobs, money, success, uh, relationships, possessions, power, position, they're just shifting sand, leaving your ship adrift in danger of sinking. If you feel blown about today, I want to introduce you to the rock of hope, Jesus Christ. You can anchor to him. You can, you can hang on to him. And doesn't matter what comes against you, even death itself, as we saw with Doug last week, he went forth with such hope that it inspired me just, just spending time talking to him. There is a solid rock. His name is Jesus. If you anchor your life to him, he will steady your ship. He will hold you fast in stormy seas and he will see you safely home. He will hold you secure, the anchor of your souls. Do you know in the days of the early church, the anchor was a symbol of hope? Did you know that? There are over 60 pictures of anchors have been found on the walls of the catacombs in, in Rome where the Christians worshipped underground. 60 anchors were there. You see, words of hope that Christians talk about was this, that we have a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul no matter what assails us, we are anchored to the solid rock of Jesus Christ. So when you throw your anchor of faith into the waters of the word of God, it firmly lodges into the rock of ages and Jesus Christ the anchor holds you fast. So if you've experienced a tough time, 
you've been blown around what, by what people have said and done to you, if you feel overwhelmed, battered, bruised, beaten up or beaten down, then you need your hope renewed this morning. We want to pray and believe the Lord for that. Do you know, can I just say, even as Christians, I sometimes, even as a Christian, I sometimes get overwhelmed. Anybody here like that? I've had a couple of weeks of just overwhelm. It's not, you know, one thing I could have handled, two, maybe three, perhaps, but 27, you know. Do you have weeks like that where everything assails you? You, you feel like you're there and everything's just power, 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 power like that. Do you know what sustained me over the last couple of weeks? Hope. Because I looked to Jesus. I said, you're the anchor of my soul, Jesus. And I put my hope in him. And all the other stuff seems to right itself. All the stuff I fear doesn't come to pass. It's because my anchor, my eyes are fixed firmly on him and my anchor is on the rock of ages. So I believe this morning, in a world that is struggling for, to cope without hope, I believe we have hope right here, don't you? Would you bow your heads for me? I'm going to ask you to examine your life this morning. Take a few moments out. You tell me what your life's like. Are you on top or are you beaten down? Are you triumphing? Or do you feel like stuff has come against you? Do you feel like you're, you're walking in a mire? You're walking in treacle? You just can't get any traction? You can't move forward? I'm telling you there is hope this morning. Some of you here may not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you don't, this is your opportunity to instill hope into your life on a level that you would never have any other way. He's here. And there is always hope when Jesus is here. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, this is your moment. This is for you. Do it with me and together we will see the hope of God carry you on. The hope of God infuse your life. He can give you hope when all is hopeless. So just pray this prayer with me if you've never asked Jesus into your life. We're going to do it this morning. It's a simple thing. You just say, Dear Lord Jesus. Say it after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry that I've sinned. I turn away from my sin. And I ask you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for filling me with hope. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up really quickly wherever you are and put it down. Praise God. Are there any more? I know God's speaking to people here. You can just sense him here. Now for the rest of us, even though we're believers, even though we're Christians, sometimes hope is in short supply. And I want to invite you this morning. I'm going to open up the altar here. I'm going to open up the front. And if you are struggling, if, if, if you're just going around and around the same, the same mountain, whatever it is, be it a sickness or a relationship or a, a pain or a disappointment or whatever, I'm going to ask you to come to the front and we're going to believe for hope to fill your life. It's okay. I tell you, as a, as a Christian, as a pastor, I'll be standing right here in my heart because sometimes I lose hope. Sometimes I struggle. 
when everything dumps on top of you. But some of you here have been dumped on for long enough. You can hang on to all that stuff if you want, but it's shifting sand. I'm going to invite you to, to, to put your anchor down in the rock here this morning. So let's stand together. And we're going to sing, and I'm going to invite you to come forward. And we're going we're gonna to pray. There's going to be many of you, praise God. Why don't you just close your eyes? Why don't you just talk to the Lord? Let Him speak into your life because there is hope here at the front. There is hope.